Welcome to the AWS Health Innovation Podcast, where you can learn from entrepreneurs and investors who are driving progress in healthcare and life science across the globe. My name is Joe Schunkweiler. I'm a physician and former health tech executive. And my name is Alex Merwin. I'm an operations executive who's worked at two startups that exited as unicorns. And now Joe and I work with healthcare and life science startups and investors at AWS. Today, I'm joined by Alessio Signorini, CTO and co-founder of Evidation Health a platform that rewards its users for healthy actions while contributing real-world data to important research projects. Alessio and I discuss how the founders' experience in data-driven advertising led them to Evidation Health, how the rise of wearable technology has dramatically increased the available amount of data, and why transparency, privacy, and trust are essential when working with that healthcare data. Enjoy. Alessio Signorini, co-founder and CTO of Evidation Health. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome. Thank you guys for having me. To start off, I'd love to learn a bit more about Evidation Health and what you all do. The simple pitch is that at Evidation, we measure health in everyday life to enable and empower anyone to participate in groundbreaking research and health programs. So this is what it basically means that, you know, when we started, you know, we wanted to use new data sources like wearables to incentivize healthy behaviors, to incentivize you to go for a run and, and you to weigh yourself and to eat healthy. And that's how we started. And then this thing grew and grew and grew. And today we really help you measure health, especially because 99% of health happens outside of the doctor. You go to the doctor once a year or when you're sick, but what about the rest of the days? What about everything else? And that's what we do. So we help people participate in groundbreaking research contributing with their data after they authorize that to happen uh, without the burden to have to drive to a clinic or keep diary because these wearables can measure it passively, right? And then we get to collaborate with a lot of you know, great research partners uh, that, you know, and allow us to have a better insights uh, into the participant lives, right? Instead of just three times when they see them at the site, you know, what happens when somebody experiences or go through a disease or has an illness? Uh, that, that's what we really do. What about your own background, Alessio? You've, you know, you're an experienced technologist out in the space. I'd love to hear a bit more about how you ended up tackling this really, really challenging area in healthcare data and incorporating it into the, the larger research and, and development space. Um, I come from Italy. Uh, there I played soccer professionally, professionally for many years. And then I came in the U.S. to form a PhD. I did a PhD in computer science in artificial intelligence at the University of Iowa. So I went from Pisa, where it never gets below 30, to Iowa City, when it gets there, wow. tornado from minus 25 with a wind chill in the winter. That was quite a shock. Right. But you study a lot. You do a lot of research in That's Iowa, right. especially in the winter. Uh, so, you know, I did a lot of research. I got lucky with some of it and I got a lot of job offer from search engines. And so I started working for Ask.com. Uh, in a few years, I was the director of technology there. Mm. And that got, got me to meet a lot of interesting people who wanted to sell the company to Ask.com or wanted to be acquired or we wanted to buy. And, and then I decided to follow some of them uh, to their own startup. And then I started my own company. Um, and, and that's where I met. I was in New York City. I was doing Techstar New York with my own startup. And that's where I met one of my co-founders, Christine Lemke. And we were put in a room together because I was doing something with advertising and artificial intelligence. And she was doing advertising and artificial intelligence. And in advertising, you basically create this 
very sophisticated profile of people to understand their, uh, their habits and what they will be interested in. And so we, when we were in the room, me and Christine, uh, we were speaking about this, but it was clear to us that both were fascinated about the potential of building these profiles, not for advertising, mm -hmm. but for healthcare. We knew we wanted to work together. We knew what we had in mind, use all the data that we, the knowledge we had to create profile of health of people and make them feeling better and diagnose diseases earlier and you know, help them through a journey. And we just had to find the right idea. So for a year, we, you know, we exchanged meals back and forth and met here and there and tried to figure out, okay, how to start this, what this will be. And then we got an idea and that's, you know, the last 10 years of my life. Wow. That is great. That's a great, uh, that's a great founding story. And did you, did you know then that you would have sort of the range of offerings? What was that? What's been the evolution on the actual offering side for your end customers, let's say, from when you started Evidation in that kernel of an idea all the way through to today where you have significant traction out in the marketplace? No, you know, when you start the company, you hope that you, know, you will survive a year. We didn't think like, you know, 10 years later, we'll still be here, like, you know, and have like millions and millions of people and have done hundreds of research in all sorts of therapeutic right. areas. That is like, you know, the, the founder dream for, for everybody. And we started with a little website that was literally running on from my computer in the kitchen. The early people that visited uh, Evidation Health were like, you know, so our website were literally host on my computer wow. in the kitchen in Boulder, Colorado. And then little by little, we afforded to buy actual servers on AWS <laughs> and then our offer expanded and expanded and expanded. And we got where we are right now. Again, uh, it's, it's awesome to see millions of people participate in research, uh, you know, with the same, um, you know, mindset that we have and, you know, to, to understand, to get a better understanding of health and, you know, in diagnosis and treating illnesses that affect all of us. I, I can't think of anything more important than trying to improve healthcare. And given your background and your experience outside of healthcare on advertising or search or all those other areas, what were the, what were you seeing in terms of technological advances between you and your founding team that made you think now is the moment to use that technology, those innovations and advances that we had elsewhere into the health side? What were those, what were those pieces that you saw coming together? So the first thing is, you know, I have to thank uh, the University of Iowa in my department. Some of the professors were really involved with healthcare. Um, and, you know, in those years that I was in Iowa, when it was very cold, uh, I saw the possibility of bridging the gap between some of the, the things we did in computer science and, and healthcare. For example, even transferring data for healthcare. And we're talking about like, you know, megabytes of data, data that right. can easily fit on a USB drive, but it was complex. For, for the healthcare system. But in those years, people started believing the internet. People started believing that there could be other things. You didn't have to send a CD-ROM to like, you know, Chicago to transfer data. We could use the internet. So that was the first important thing. And I got lucky with some of the research, applying some computer science approaches to healthcare. Um, and so I, I saw I was part of that change. The second thing was the, you know, wearables were bored. Uh, Fitbit was one of the first one. Garmin was one of the first one. At the beginning, it was these little strange things. Why would you measure your steps? But athletes got it. You know, people who, who rode bikes or people who did marathons, they got it. They wanted to do those things. So it was a little bit of a niche, but it was starting to be there. And these wearables were slowly becoming more and more interesting. 
they had your steps and then that your sleep and then your, your heart rate. And then they start, you know, now SPO2. And then now they look for, you know, they can do an ECG. And so that is an other important change that made all this possible. Taking measurements that before were basically possible only in a healthcare mm -hmm. setting to your home. My scale measure my weight and my heart rate. Uh, and my watch can measure an ECG and it's FDA approved. Like, you know, imagine that, you know, every day happening. So those two were super important. Then EMR, you know, uh, the, the, the healthcare system change. Now the electronic medical record, you are entitled to get them. They are obligated to offer APIs. So not only I can add, you know, we, I can connect to your heart rate through your wearables, but they can also connect to the healthcare system. If you give me the consent and pull some data from there. Uh, and last but not least, cloud computing. Um, you know, all this data would have been like you know, impossible to to crunch on my uh, kitchen's computer. Uh, you know, we have some uh, research, uh, some studies we, we we do in which we gather 100 million data points per user per day. Wow! And so we have like you know, 10,000 participants and last years. So imagine all that on a little computer. It will not even be impossible to to store. But cloud computing allowed for all that. What stands out to me in the story, which is awesome that you told of the tech meeting the moment, meeting the demand out in the marketplace, is you really have a robust two-sided market, if you will, here where um, you need patient-level, user-level engagement to give you access to that data, if I'm understanding correctly. But you also need somebody on the other side, an organization on the other side that says, yes, that's exactly what we're use looking for. So how do you, from a tech product perspective, however you want to take it, how do you think about the two sides of that, the two pieces that you need to serve? How does that play into your, um, like how you architect it, how you think through it, like how you approach it, how you design it, that kind of stuff. I'd love to hear more about that. So, so you know, it, it, an amazing thing, it was a discovery, like, you know, through our journey uh, to me was that, you know, the people desire to participate in research. Uh, like, you know, I always had this thing because, you know, I had some experiences in health, you know, that my father and so on, so, you know, they had some illnesses. And so I always wanted to contribute to research, but they didn't understand how uh, this desire was pervasive with everybody because everybody had their father, their mother, their friends somebody, they lost somebody to some disease, somebody's sick. And so they either want to participate as the subject because they have that condition or as a control because they want to contribute the research that touched their life. And so that, that, that was impressive, right? So there is this desire. And then there is also your desire to, to be healthier, right? Exactly. Everybody doesn't want to get sick. You never think about health until you are sick. But here it's about also wellness. You want to be well. Mm -hmm. Right. And so these devices help you with that. And what we do help you with that. The idea is to like, you know, prevent diseases or, or if you have a condition to help you live better with that condition. So there is a desire there for, for people. Like I mentioned before, 99% or even more, 99.97% of health happens outside of the doctor. You go to the doctor when you're already sick, when it's something wrong. And so, and that's the one time a year we measure your blood pressure. Or, or your SpO2, your heart rate. But what about the rest of the day and the nights when you are at home? Not right. when you, it's your appointment at 10.15 on a Monday morning, you run up the stairs, you sit down and this check your blood pressure. That is not your blood pressure. That's your blood pressure after you are like, they are all worried. Your blood pressure is what happens in the rest of the week. And so 
th those two sides, right? You know, the user wanted to be there and then the, 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 our partners, our research, get a better insight in what is really happening in your life when you are not in the doctor uh, office. That is what makes this work. Right. And did, was that, back to that founding story, did you always think that the, so I think the, the user, the patient user, let's say, is a really intuitive piece of that. I was an early Fitbit adopter. Um, you're an athlete. Like you, like you said, people understood that once you sort of convince them that something like steps or sleep, which again is even more intuitive than that, has an impact on your overall health and wellness. If you're that kind of personality, you know, it used to be called like the quantified self. You want all of that, right? Like you want to input as much data into that to optimize right. your performance just on a daily basis, even if it's just to be healthy and well and be able to run around with your kids and all that kind of stuff, much less like you, like playing professional sports. Was the other side of that as intuitive for you all? And if so, do you think that came from understanding the way a market like search or advertising worked, where you thought there is definitely a, a, a buyer on the other side of this and they're going to... You know, if you engage folks on one side, you create enough fuel for the fire that you can really drive something impactful on the other side of that market. Uh, you know, I, I focus a lot on artificial intelligence and technology, so I have to credit most of those intuition or the right. other intuition to my co-founders that they thought, you know, they had more experience on that part of mm -hmm. the healthcare system and so on. And they thought, you know, when do you do a research, uh, when you do a clinical study, it's very hard, you know, especially physically doing it. You have to find everybody in a certain metropolitan area because right. you have them to come to a particular site a certain amount of time to do those measurements that you need and those and to deposit their questionnaire that they've wrote by hand. And, and now we are here saying, look, we can do this remotely. We can we can we can you know we can gather data from people passively uh, during the entire day and transfer that you know electronically to where we need. So you know. People were super interested in that because we are, you know, finding, especially with rare conditions, finding a lot of people in a sufficient enough amount of people in a certain geographical location is very hard. And there are a ton of biases. But what about the entire United States? What about the entire world? Uh, you know, you give them like, you know, enough of these wearable devices and we have good enough data to follow their real life and see what the therapeutic intervention has in there, you know, as an impact or what a condition, how a condition impacts their life. And so, yes, they were super interested in that. But again, my co-founders, Christine and Mickey, get the majority of the credits for that. Luke and I take care of uh, tech and artificial intelligence. So got it. They are the, 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 the business people. You, you spoke before about some of the surprises that you had in, in, in the willingness and desire to share that. What are some of the other surprises you had, either in coming from outside of healthcare into the space or... In, in building a product that was um, selling into the, the the research endeavors and things like that, like what were what were some of your moments where you're like, oh, this is I, I didn't expect that to to be part of this. People desiring participating in research, uh, incredible. And then you know at the beginning, uh, you know we were already focusing paying people to do health activities and mm -hmm. sharing the data with us. And then we discovered that that is important because you know enables people to do certain things that you didn't expect. Like you know, so people will run more so they will get some money and buy new shoes, better shoes to right. run even more or do those things. Those were things. But then it's not about the points or, or the money. People really want to contribute into research. People are really interested in helping 
the world be a better place. And, and you know, it's always nice to to see that. It's always nice to to see people writing in and say, thank you for letting me participate in this research. My mom had this issue. I really want to do it. That's really nice. People that otherwise would not have that opportunity because you had to be in a certain metropolitan area mm-hmm. and get accessing and see a, a, you know, a flyer for a particular research and so on. But now they do. They open a, our app and say, well, look, there is this new research about X. Uh, and you know, would you like to participate? And they say, yes. And, and you know, so that it was very nice uh, you know, from a, a human perspective. Um, and then like you know, surprising to me that the market penetration of wearables like right. my grandfather and grandmother have, uh, you know, a Fitbit uh, or Fitbit-like device. My mother doesn't use credit cards because she doesn't believe in credit cards. She doesn't trust the credit card, but she has a Fitbit. Right. So like, you know, this is like the market penetration that, you know, we achieve in such a, like, you know, five years is like, you know, mind-blowing to me. And, and I'm very happy about it. Are there other sources of data that if you had a magic wand, you would bring in that you would like, you think, oh, as a as a artificial intelligence expert and technologist, if we had access to this from a certain sensor, it would really be a game changer for us. Given the fact that you have way more access now to do more and and better things with the data that exists out there currently. First of all, every time I talk about this, it's important to say that yes, I, I like data, but I want it to be consented. I want you to know sure, you are contributing this data, and again, you know, that's very important to me and to us as a company. That you know you are saying yes, I'm volunteering. I'm sharing with you this data because I want to improve X or Y. So privacy, trust, transparency. You know how it is. If you don't pay for something, you are the product. And of course, it, it's very important to me. So assuming that you and I have an understanding about that, a clear understanding about that, uh, I do think that there is a lot of like you know anything you do can be important data. And until now, we just didn't have the computing power to to see the signal through this data. And even right now, sometimes it's overwhelming the amount of data, but anything you do, even typing, the way you type mm-hmm. on your phone or your computer, the way you move your mouse, the way you drive your car, anything can be useful data because, you know, yes, you will slow down at some point. You know, we did some research in which we analyzed speech to understand cognitive impar- impairment. And we found out that the poses you take between when somebody asks a question and you respond, the poses in between the words, the way, the, the speed of your language, but also the grammar that you use, the, the complexity of the structure are very good indication of cognitive decline, which, you know, now that I tell you, it's not surprising, but we right. have a way now to objectively measure that through computers. So what about you let me listen into all your voice calls and, and the, you know, the, the type, you know, the, the touches that you put on your phone and the way you type and, and, and you know, the way you have to correct yourself. And I can understand if you are getting tired or like, you know, if something going on. So like, you know, anything can be really used. It's just that we didn't have the computational power to find the signal in that. Have you found on the other side, thinking about the two sides of your market, have the asks or the desire on the big buyer side, let's say the research side, gotten more sophisticated over the years? I'm imagining that just thinking from the clinical perspective in my clinical days, I wouldn't have known. I haven't done patient care in a while, but I can't imagine all the demands that come in when you're seeing a patient now on an individual basis, that if they have that wearable data, if they have continuous glucose monitoring, whatever it is, like there's so many data streams that come in that it probably was a big for my, my people, my colleagues that are still on the clinical side, 
it was a real evolution in incorporating that information. And many of them probably haven't yet, but the next generation certainly will because of everything that you just said. Like people have these devices and, and people are using it and the clinical grade stuff is out there now, well outside the walls of the hospital. So for, for your bigger buyers on the other side, have you found that now they're like, oh, we could get more to do more. Have that, has that pressed you all and what you can incorporate and what kind of things you're out there looking for to get and incorporate into the, the evidation offering? So our research collaborator oftentimes relies on us to tell them where the signal can possibly be that, you know, everybody's getting more sophisticated, everybody's getting more interested, especially in the last two or three years, I would say. Uh, but there is still a lot, you know, there are still novel as measures. There are still novel to, to, to medicine and healthcare, healthcare, health and medicine moves slowly, right? Mm -hmm. and, and for rightfully so, right? You cannot you know, uh, run fast and break things. Like you have to move right. slowly and carefully because, you know, we are talking about the life of people here. They're talking about important, really important things. It's not a web app I can just fix with a commit and pushing it out. You know, we are really discussing whatever a drug saves lives or not at, at you know, a large scale uh, or, or like, you know, whatever something impacts a disease. So yes, there is more interest. Everything is evolving. Uh, they are partnering with us more and more, but they're still relying on us to tell them, yes, Look, you, you tell me what you want to measure, what is important to you to measure. And then based on the experience, the last 10 years and all the devices and research studies that we have done, I can help you get there. I can tell you how many people will need. I'll tell you what are the drawbacks of using all these novel approaches. And then we see if we can live with them and if that will contribute to wherever we want to get. So they are not putting us so much demand, but they are definitely becoming more aware of the potential of what we are doing. That's a really interesting position for you all to play in the decision-making of your customers. Are your relationships, so you don't have to give any specifics here, but do you have a lot of repeat folks that come back and say, we went and went after this specific disease area or therapeutic that goes after this rare disease. That was so insightful. We're going to come back now a year later. You know, we, these are really long horizon things that they're tracking versus is a lot of your growth total net news or is it like within existing customer bases just out of curiosity thankfully both mm -hmm. uh you know we do some research we publish some research uh you know it comes out we attract new people especially in rare diseases uh, like i said finding a lot of people with some particular condition in one single metropolitan area is very difficult but doing that across the united states or the world is much easier and that's what we are expert at uh, you know, thankfully we do good work, good, solid research. Uh, we always deliver. And so our customers, uh, generally come back and want to do more with us. And remember studies are not like, you know, a one month long right. project. You know, They're we are talking long. about, you know, six months, 12 months, 24 months. We have some that are going for years. There's something that's going on for three years. And imagine for three years, collecting a hundred million data points per person wow. per day over three years for 10,000 people, like, you know, that's a lot of data. So at some point you have to trust me that I will do the, the right things for you. And I have to trust you that, you know, we are doing the right thing here because, you know, we achieve like, you know, a very massive scale. Um, I'm, but I, I'm always very happy when somebody comes to us and say, look, I really want to improve this condition. And I'd like you guys to help because again, I wouldn't do any other job. Um, right. I, healthcare touches all of us, even if not right now. At some point, somebody I love or myself will be affected by some condition. 
And if I don't do this, if we don't do this, I have to hope that somebody else with more motivation, the same skills, the same knowledge is going to do it for when I will need it. And so I'm very happy to be here and helping every research organization of the world with our company to, 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 to move this forward. You, you bring up an interesting point. And in, in those of us who went through medical school or other clinical programs of, of a certain time period know that there are certain really platinum longitudinal studies for disease. There was one in Framingham, Massachusetts, where they looked at a patient population for you know years to look at heart disease, the Framingham Heart Study. It's iconic. And what you're talking about is that versions of that in a lot of ways, but with so much more data at each step of the way. So it's not that we're shortening that time period. We're just getting more at, we may a little bit, right? But like we're getting more, as you said, you know, millions of data points every day over a lot of those same longitudinal time periods. I'd never thought about that before this conversation, where, as you said, it does not move fast and break things. It's not actually moving faster by that much, but we're getting so much more out of the time that's spent in it. Do you think that there's an opportunity, just in your opinion, as a, as a scientist and who knows the space as a computer scientist, could we shorten some of those timelines down the road if we knew more earlier? Um, or is that, you know, are we always going to be in like, there's an analog element to it. You know, the clock just has to tick forward one year at a time to see what happens. Um, and I think either makes sense, but I think that you probably have a very clear eyed view of this, having seen both the, the high tech you know, innovation side and the pace at which science can move as well. Um, so we don't want to accelerate time necessarily for good reasons. Uh, and so, like you said, there are two aspects to this. Like on one hand, I think what we can do is accelerate early diagnosis mm -hmm. of certain conditions because we have more data, because we can follow you for longer. If you think about it, every study is basically, if, you know, you are one person, right? And, and what we do, everything, you, we measure your values against certain ranges. And when they go outside of the range, then it's bad. But if I had those values for you, constantly monitor, passively monitor for your entire life, change is an indicator that's super strong, yeah. much more than you going outside a certain value. And I know if you go outside of certain value, only at some point of time, generally when it's too late. But seeing something increasing, right? That is like, you know, a, a significant thing. Like, you know, you don't get heart disease in one day. You don't get high cholesterol in one day. You don't get, uh, you know, the issues in one day. There's a progressive things. And so diagnosis, we will definitely shorten. Uh, but the other things we, we cannot really, right? You know, we have to see if an intervention will prevent you from having prostate issues uh, in 10 years. So that part I cannot do anything about. Uh, but, you know, we can measure it. And we can follow you along for years. Uh, if you go on the database of my company, I am the longest standing participant in our <laughs> system. And I contributed everything. Here we go. Right. You know what I eat for 10 years, how much I slept for 10 years, how much I run for 10 years, how much I worked for 10 years. And so, and, you know, lately my SPO2, my heart, all those things. So, uh, you know, I hope that at some point we will, this will be normal. You would just wear a watch like I do. And at some point, if something is wrong, uh, you know, the watch will tell you, you know, we should probably get you to the doctor and, and check something out just to be sure. Uh, and that's the change I hope our company will make. Yeah, I love that. I think that's, that makes a lot of sense. And the earlier diagnosis is the holy grail in a lot of ways for these and signals that we may not have captured. And is that a big 
do you see that as one of the main advantages of of patient generated data versus more the previous models for data capture in this case? Yeah, that is definitely one. And the second one is to measure the effectiveness of interventions. Mm. The previous version of the clinical study, when you had to keep a diary, it's very hard, right? You know, let's say you suffer from some disease that causes you pain and you give it, uh, you know, uh, you take a drug, you take some compound that, you know, maybe it's even painful to, to, to take. Like maybe you have to inject yourself in you know, in the belly once a week or something like this. So it's painful. Maybe it has some initial side effects, right? Measuring how much you're getting better, especially if it takes like three months before the effectiveness is gone versus the momentary impact of you feeling groggy and the pain and all the stuff. It's very hard when you have to write it on a diary. But if we passively measure your, your, your values, we can tell you that you are sleeping better. You are walking more. Your heart rate is lower. You don't wake up so much overnight to go use the restroom and so and so and so passively. And you'll forget because remembering how much was, how bad it was two months ago, it's very hard for you today, but I, we can tell you exactly. And so that is another major, uh, you know, differentiation that we can contribute, uh, you through this technology, through this approach, uh, to research. Alessio, we like to end this podcast on advice for, for some of the folks out there who are building now or thinking about building. Um, I'd love to hear from you what your advice would be for other technical leaders who think they're going to be in this two-sided market. What kind of things do you think about or should they think about um, as they're building? What are, what are the kind of things that you wish you'd known from, from day one at Evidation Health that you're now much the wiser for all those years put in? So to smart technical leaders out there, I say, don't build it, but join us. <laughs> and join me to, to do this. But uh, yeah, jokes aside, if you don't want to do that, first of all, keep privacy and trust in the forefront of whatever you do. Transparency, privacy, trust. We are, you know, uh, there is a lot of people use data in a very bad way uh, in these days. A lot of people are still doing it. So transparency, privacy, trust, especially around healthcare, I think is the foremost important thing. Like you can't lose the data. You know, hacking is now a national sport. We really, really, really have to be careful. We owe it to the world to do the best we can. Uh, so once you have privacy, trust, and transparency, then do remember that now people understood that if they don't pay for something, they are the product. And so don't try to hide that. You know, you know, explain that to people. Explain, look, I know, you know, look for their pain points. Look for like, you know, what are their needs. Develop, solve those things, being transparent and, and trustworthy and say, yes, look, yes, you're not paying for this. We are doing this together. And, and this is what comes after, right? Uh, you know, you are contributing your data for research and this is what comes after. And, and like we do it all the time. You know, you join a research, we explain you exactly what will happen, exactly how your data, and at the end, you will see the result of that research. And so in, in this way, it's very clear. You can participate or not, but we are not going to use your data for something else. Alessio Signorini, CTO and co-founder of Evidation Health. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, and Joe, thank you very much. I, I really hope that, that this will help a lot of people. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review and rating. It helps others find us. To learn more about how AWS supports startups, please go to aws.amazon.com startups.